Okay, we are not live, but we're recording. Oh, nice, nice. Welcome back to the podcast, which is entitled Hothead Talent for now. Uh, I am JT. I am the hothead. And I'm Jack. I'm the talent. And today, instead of doing the D&D podcast that we were going to do, we've decided that based on some discussions that we've had uh, more recently, we'd like to discuss uh, satisfying gameplay loops in video games, uh, particularly with an eye to games like uh, Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, and similar titles. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about where those titles could do better and where they kind of slip up. So before we talk about, you know, ways that it can ways that gameplay loops can be done wrong. Let's talk about some gameplay loops that are done right. Do you have any examples of those off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, um, I think games like um, Mountain Blade Warband, which is very sandbox, but it had a very well defined loop. I think that that does a so, good job. So walk us walk us through the loop. What is the loop for Mountain Blade Warband? So for a game like Mount, well, I guess it also applies to Bannerlord too, but okay. it's an RPG game. So you create your character and you get to line out um, your, your past, your history, your character's past. And then you step into the world and you continue to increase your own reputation and renown through other kingdoms, through doing quests or conquering, etc. And you continually just advancing your own character until you get to wherever you define the end game to be it is truly a sandbox game without that uh so you're saying that the the gameplay loop of warband and or bannerlord is <clears throat> satisfying during the journey to a goal so you have a goal that you're reaching toward and the things that you do in the middle are entertaining yeah exactly so why why would you say those over. things are entertaining though like, I what about them is good? Yeah, absolutely. So, for me, and again, I think it's important to, to specify that, th that those games are sandbox games. You get sure. to choose your goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good way to define a sandbox game is you get to define your own goals. Um, each, each action that you take along the way contributes either to one of two things. It either contributes to your goal or to something that does not contribute to your goal, but you're doing anyway because it's simply enjoyable to do. In the former of those two, it's enjoyable possibly because the event or the quest or whatever you're doing is enjoyable in and of itself. But it could also be enjoyable just in the sense that it is allowing you to be one step closer to your end goal. I, I do want to kind of focus in on that. I think you've touched on something that's very important to uh, satisfying gameplay loops in my experience. Either you're working toward a player-defined goal uh, in which case your gameplay loop satisfaction is determined by being able to make efficient and notable progress toward that player-defined goal, uh, or you're working toward a, a goal that's defined by the game, like beating a boss or leveling up, in which case your reward should be pretty palpable. Uh, so, for example, in, in a game that I love, Dark Souls, you your progression in the game is 
measured in a few different ways that I would qualify as the gameplay loop. And the gameplay loop of Dark Souls is pretty simple. It's get resurrected at the bonfire, go forward through the level, and try to find the next bonfire or the boss, and try to kill the boss. And do that again and again and again until you reach the final boss of the game and beat him. Uh, the reason that loop is satisfying is because not only are you leveling up your character and learning more about the world, but you're also improving your own personal skill at the game. So even without leveling up, a person may fight a boss 10 times and on the, on the 10th try, as, assuming that you know they're, they're learning the way that I learned Dark Souls, they'll be better at the boss than the first time. Uh, and I think that that in broadening out that concept to the player learning or growing through playing is what you need for a satisfying gameplay loop when there aren't defined goals. But you also need defined goals. If, yeah, and you need them even more if your gameplay loop doesn't do those things, if it doesn't rely on the player getting better. A great example of this would be a game like, I'm, I'm going to surprise you here, Jack, Call of Duty. <laughs> okay. Hear me fine. out. Hear me out. Okay. So I I played Call of Duty with, with a friend of mine for a while. Um, I had never played a COD, COD game before. I played the most recent Modern Warfare. Um, I got slaughtered for the first I don't know 10 15 hours of gameplay um and I got pretty frustrated I wasn't having fun I was unlocking new guns and stuff because I was still getting kills every once in a while uh, which is what you need to do to progress in COD which is the tangible goal um so I wasn't I wasn't very satisfied but I kept playing for a while because I wanted to spend time with this friend. And I found that as I played more and as I increased in skill level, increasing my skill became the goal. So my goal was no longer to unlock something tangible. It was to uh, approach and accomplish a goal that I had set for myself uh, with my own parameters. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fantastic example. And if I can actually um, build on that just a little bit, um, Counter Strike, like Counter Strike Global Offensive, right? There is no tangible thing that you can unlock other than you know the paid cosmetics. But I don't think. And that there's that's, also there's there's a skill it. rating system, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very competitive game. It's got competitive matchmaking, and in a perfect world without cheaters, it's pretty reasonable. Um, but the goal in that game is to continually to improve yourself, assuming you're playing competitively. Um, again, there's nothing to unlock. There's nothing new to do in that game. The entire goal is very much like you might consider a sport like tennis, where you are focused fully right. on improving yourself. Sure, in tennis, you're not you're not playing to unlock a better tennis racket or a better arm. You're you're playing to reach your goal of having a better serve or being able to hit a, a stronger backhand. Yeah, and I think that uh, video games benefit from that as well. Again, as you said, there's there's the uh, achievement getting aspect of it where you unlock something new, your character gets better. Or, but then there's also the, the personal aspect of it because we're not truly those characters. We're not 
you know that thing that exists within a virtual space even though at times it does feel like that so i so touching on a game that we've both played then so a game like guild wars is where this kind of a game like that would call into question the parameters that we've set up because in guild wars there is an element of skill and i'm not denying that at all but right. there comes a point at which you've kind of reached the skill cap that's required for everything uh, d- discounting PV- pvp or world v-, v world um and the goal beyond that is just to get better items and level up your character and people definitely still enjoy that. So there's something about that gameplay loop that is satisfying. So I think that it's important that we note that tangible in-game rewards can be something that some people like. So something that that I'd like to to talk about now between you and I, what do you think or do you think there should be an objective standard by which a gameplay loop is considered satisfying. An objective standard. And obviously Um, there's, I'm sure there's a psychological answer to this question. I'm sure that there's a study somewhere that we could look up and find that says X thing satisfies human minds and X thing doesn't. I'm talking more on a personal level. Right. Right. Oh, so personal level as in related to me personally or personal level as in just the way you feel? Just using the information that we have available to us and the expertise we have available to us without looking for expert opinions, which would be more valid. Right. I'm basically trying to acknowledge that we are probably wrong, but we're trying to Mm -hmm. get as close as we can. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of, I think it's difficult first off, to find an objective standard for something that is inherently subjective. Um, though obviously there are generalizations you can make, and I think that that's obviously what we're going to be feeding off of. Right. So you're um, so you're saying that your gameplay experience is subjective, therefore it's subjective. There, therefore you can't say this is satisfying to everyone always, and or this right, isn't. Right, yeah. Right. I don't, I don't I think that there is, yeah, I, I don't think that there is a quote unquote perfect game, if that makes sense. There's no game that's going to, that, certainly that doesn't, that exists now, but I don't think that it's very reasonable to assume that there will ever be a game that is perfect for everyone, unless it's a game that literally encapsulates all other games in it. Um, but as I said, I think we can focus on the, on the generalities. Uh, I think that we, really, there are two subsets of gamers. There is the subset of gamer that likes getting better. And then there is the subset of gamer that likes getting things in games. And you can call them casuals or competitive or whatever you want to call them. I think that those are the two main categories. I I would say that that those two groups, I I think they exist, but I think that it's a spectrum. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I don't want to say that there are one versus the other. It's... Those are the that's those are the two ends of the spectrum. I only focus on game on game that I can get better at. I only focus on game I can get things in. And then you you, you fall somewhere in between that. And where you fall somewhere between that is going to dictate what kind of gameplay loop you find generally the most enjoyable. That that seems accurate to me. So we've determined that 
according to the best of our knowledge and and logical determination, which you know we're totally trained in logic and know what we're talking about, uh, we have determined that gameplay loops being satisfying is subjective. So then, moving forward from that determination, uh, we have also discussed in the past that certain games are lacking in gameplay loop satisfaction for us. And one that I'd like to point out is Elite Dangerous. And you know me, I love Elite Dangerous. Let me just pull up my Steam real quick so that I can I can get an, an accurate number. I have played uh, 495.6 hours of Elite Dangerous in the past. Oh, only? Yeah, that, that's all. Only, only, only 500 hours. Okay, and um, that contrasts to my forty-two point seven. <laughs> it's it it is a game that I love a lot. It's very fun. That said, I think there is a problem with Elite Dangerous. There there are a few, but the problem that I'd like to call attention to is that of lack of gameplay loop. Frontier Developments, the the studio that. Uh, created and maintains Elite Dangerous, are big fans of the idea of emerging gameplay or gameplay that the players create within a sandbox world. Uh, The issue that I have experienced with this gameplay is that there there isn't any emerging gameplay. There's just what they've added to the game already, which is mining, combat and exploration and those are kind of the only three activities oh and trading um, which i guess is a component of mining but it can be separate so in my experience the gameplay loop is satisfying in that you get new things But the problem with that is that getting new things is too easy. And in addition to that, there's nothing beyond getting the new things. So for example, to get an anaconda, which is the biggest ship in the the game, I should... I should probably talk a little bit about what Elite Dangerous is. It's a space... (laughs) It's a space game simulator. It's a space simulator. Uh, You fly spaceships and you can do the activities that I mentioned before. Um, And as you gain money, you can purchase better components for your ships and better ships. The problem with that is that the biggest and most expensive ship in the game is, I believe, the Anaconda. No, the Corvette's more expensive. But the Anaconda is, um, is considered for most people, most players of Elite to be their their goalpost, the ship that they measure their progress by. When they get that ship, that's it. Like, they've accomplished everything. The problem is, a dedicated player who knows what they're doing can can get an anaconda in about 10 hours of gameplay. And then once you have that anaconda, there's not really a lot to do with it. There's, like, you can mine, I guess, with your anaconda. You can do combat with your anaconda. But the problem is that there isn't any real reward to those things outside of an increasing credit number and recently frontier added their fleet carriers which i guess you can use your increasing credit number on 
but the fleet carriers again don't really enable an individual player to impact the galaxy around them which is the way the game is meant to work it's it's very there there's this whole system of politics that's in place within elite dangerous that the players that players can affect by bringing one MacGuffin item to from one system to another uh, but the problem is there's nothing more to it the narrative doesn't continue so if i could if i could get in just uh, i guess asking a question just to be to get a little more specific uh, i guess what you're so you can kind of summarize your i guess i'll use the term complaint even though it's maybe a little harsh for this situation but to, but to summarize your complaint what you're saying is that there is no greater goal that you can set your sights on other than getting to the next ship but that goal is so easily easily obtained that... right uh some some players would argue that that skill in combat is is a goal in and of itself and i i respect that opinion and i you know i talked about how earlier how i play dark souls and i enjoy uh games like that that require me to increase in skill and not only in tangible in-game items uh, however if well, however, you watch a spectrum yeah if you watch top level elite dangerous pvp players who are the best pilots there are their combat consists of one thing and that is jousting so what they do is they accelerate toward each other at their full speed they pass uh, they turn toward each other and because it's in space so inertia carries uh, they they fly past each other, turn their ships, keep shooting at each other, accelerate back towards each other, and joust again. Uh, and they just do that over and over again. And the determining factor for who wins is, first and foremost, who has the better build. So there is some theory crafting involved. And secondly, who hits more shots. And it's it's pre- it's been pretty effectively determined that the best build in the game is a ship called a Fertilance with two with two railguns and four plasma accelerators. I don't remember exactly how many hard points the Fertilance has. Um, the The frustration I have is that there isn't really a goal beyond that. It's get good at PvP, which requires you to do the same thing over and over again, and clearly people enjoy that. Or it requires you to get money for things that don't really change the way you play the game right so if i can and if i can you know say in terms of pvp you know i i can definitely respect the it takes skill to get good at pvp and so maybe of course i would get crushed if i tried Mm -hmm. if i tried pvp in elite dangerous i am nowhere near good enough i don't have the precision on uh, of of aim or movement in the game to to do those things right absolutely but you know the two things that come to mind when you say that because again i don't i don't want to discount that there is a skill you know there is a skill curve of course but first off part of it is theory crafting theory crafting you can look up guides for you know so that kind of takes some of this quote-unquote skill out so you're not having to continually do math um but then aside from that it also still seems kind of shallow in the fact that this is not inherently a PvP game, at least as far as I'm aware. 
there it, it's intended for PvP to be part of it. Uh, but the PvP is, I believe, intended to be more of a piracy kind of thing. I, I think right, in in the mind of the developer, it was you you know look at your scanner and you see that someone else has this big load of diamonds on their ship. So you pull them out of their faster than light travel, and you you say, hey, you know, give me you know two tons of diamonds, or I'll blow you up. Uh, and so. And there are a lot of people that enjoy that and that do that. Uh, and I think it's a great thing to be in the game for the health of the game and for, you know, people's continued enjoyment. Well, if we could also, you know, take that. So that's not like what I would consider a competitive PvP scene, which I don't think this game has. It does uh, not. An official, right? No, um, there are people that try to put one together, but I... Eh. Yeah. But, but in the context of piracy, the end goal is not simply to get better. It is you have the goal of obtaining something. Right. Which, which you which, can't use to do anything. Right. And so it seems like a very um, mute point in a way. It seems like, again, once, as you've said, it's very easy to get to the top tier level. And as soon as you get to that top tier level, it's not like you can then set your sights on something else. Right. Right. Um. To use an example, I guess, again, another, another space game that we both play, um, like X4. You sure. Certainly X4 yeah, does have does a really good job. I, I think you're right. It does a good job of the gameplay loop, and it has both a skill curve that you can move along with your ability to pilot the ship, and there are longer-term goals that you can accomplish and that you can set for yourself. Like, once you've you know, got all the ships in the game, you can move forward and say, I want a space station now. And once you have a space station, you can uh, conquer the galaxy, I guess. Obviously, that yeah. would be cut cut up into smaller chunks, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, then you can do have those, as you said, sub-goals and such. Um, but, but as you said, it, it takes time to get to the top tier level of ships and then once you hit that there's still more goals that you can go for and i just think that's that uh, that elite suffers from as you've said you hit top tier ships and then what uh you pointed out with the carriers and i think that's a fantastic example you you get a carrier but then what right um i think i mean we both had experiences where we were using other people's carriers to help us mine I think that that's a really cool interaction. I, I really do not want to diss on that interaction. It was awesome So you know, being able to hitch a ride on a carrier. But for the person who owns the carrier, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You know, Helping people, I suppose, but that's, you know, yeah. usually that's not enough. Interestingly enough, I think we've kind of moved outside of the realm of what I would call gameplay loop and more into the realm of content? I would say game design. Game, just game design in general. And, and having long-term goals for your players and knowing what those are. And I think I don't want to make any assumptions on the attitude of Frontier Developments because I, I have no way of knowing what their attitude is. Uh, however, 
I do think it's important to note that saying that their focus that your focus is on emerging gameplay seems to me that it could very easily be construed as a cop out or a an easy way around a problem. So it, you could say that Frontier are trying to make their player base develop the end game for them. And I think that's the biggest issue. I don't know that it's gameplay loop to get to the end game because the gameplay loop is fine. I enjoy mining. I enjoy uh, combat. I enjoy exploration in Elite. The problem comes when you run out of things to do and you run out of things to do too quickly. So, for example, in a game like Guild Wars, which we talked about earlier, once you've accomplished everything, once you have the best gear, what you have left to improve is teamwork and coordination uh, because you take your team, your guild, into a raid or a fractal uh, and you accomplish that together. Mm-hmm. But in Elite, you have PvP, which has issues, to say the least. And yeah. it's also important to note, most of Elite, most of Elite's fan base does not play the game for PvP. To my understanding, I, I heard this statistic forever ago, so it may be grossly inaccurate, but I heard that 60% of players in Elite Dangerous never even left solo. Which is the game mode in which there are no other players in the galaxy. It's just you. Mm-hmm. That's that's certainly an interesting statistic. Um, if I it's guess, true, you know, base, yeah, if it's true, I guess coming off of that, I guess I would ask you: Would you classify Elite Dangerous as an MMO game? And because, I know that, that seems kind of off topic. Yeah, still. good question. I would honestly. I think okay. that the skeleton is there of an MMO. It's Obviously, they're, they have instance limiting factors, so but there can only be, I think, 16 commanders in one instance at a time. Commanders or players. Let's say, uh, for the sake of the arguments we're doing, to compare it to other MMOs would be, a in your mind, a, a, an accurate way to, to do some minor analysis. I think it's valid, yeah. Game. I think that's okay. valid. So, if that's the case... um. If I can, you know, again, I have much less time on Elite, and I don't think I was hooked like you were, and I don't think that that has anything to do with the individual loops, as you said, because the individual loops are perfectly fine. They're they're enjoyable. I enjoyed the combat, especially. Um, mining was enjoyable. It was definitely rewarding in the in the terms of number of credits you get. But my biggest um, issue, and now since I'm, I am going to compare this a little bit too to something like Guild Wars or maybe World of Warcraft or something, um, if you're going to claim that your players get to make the end game for themselves. I think that is perfectly okay, but you need to build the tools and actually have the tools to enable them to do so. Right. For there should instance, be a sandbox. Mm-hmm, exactly. If for, for instance, a faction system. Um, in every single MMO that I've ever played, there is a way to build a guild or a faction or a clan or something that is built into the game itself. Whether it's a good system or a poor system, it's still a system by which you can see, you know, these people are allied with me, who's online, so we can do events together. 
and you know depending on the game you know maybe you would have you know factions going to war with each other or yeah. other it's events. it's and worth noting it's worth noting that elite does have that they're called squadrons uh, mm -hmm. however it kind of falls apart because all squadrons can squadrons are social which is good that's what a guild or clan should be yeah uh but beyond that all that squadrons really do is put their name on systems by doing the things we mentioned before it doesn't change the gameplay loop it doesn't offer there's no there's no group content in the game mm -hmm. which for an MMO is kind of weird uh, and again, if we're considering the game an MMO, I, I think that that's a fair comparison to make. There are Thargoid hunts, but again, there's an issue of difficulty and content. You can hunt Thargoids, which are alien biological spaceships uh, that are trying to kill humanity. You can hunt Thargoids and kill them, but there's two types of Thargoid and killing them does nothing. Doesn't even really give you money. Right. So so having that squadron system, it, it's not like it, it would effectively be almost no different than having a Discord group. Correct. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of kind of an issue for a game that if you're compared to an MMO. Another thing, if you want to compare it to a sandbox game, there's no way for you to have any impact in the world around you, really. I again, I And think that's one of the That's one of the community's biggest complaints in Elite Dangerous because one of the advertised things and one of the things that very clearly is an intent within the game is for players to be able to shape the political landscape of the game around them. However, as I mentioned before, the most effective, and honestly, I would say from my own experience and from what I've heard of from other people, the only effective way of doing that is to transport MacGuffin item A to from point B to point C. And that's it. So you land on a spaceport, you purchase 10 of the item, you wait 10 minutes, you purchase 10 more, you wait 10 minutes, you purchase 10 more because there is a timer. Uh, and then you take your gigantic cargo hold of however many, I think it's 800 or something at maximum, uh, of this MacGuffin item. And you do like six or seven jumps and drop it off and you're done. And you've successfully furthered the interests of your power but you don't really get anything from that aside from access to a few different modules right and i kind of would like to build on that um i yeah, i do I think that for the game going forward there needs to be a bigger impact of player action on the world mm -hmm. around them and obviously it can't be to the extent of something like x4 no, no, no. It yeah. should not be because because Elite Dangerous is a multiplayer game, unlike X4, which 
we mentioned before, which is not. It's single player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can take a lot more liberties in single player games than you can in multiplayer games because multiplayer games, there's this thing called balance. Right. <laughs> I My argument is not for individual players to feel powerful and elite dangerous. My argument is for groups of players to feel powerful and elite dangerous. For example, something would, like... Yep a group of players who decided we want to get together. We want to buy this capital ship, this enormous destroyer or something to further our goals as a unit. And we can push into more systems and take more territory. Uh, Would that, that kind having the systems to enable that for players to choose what systems to move into rather than supporting an NPC faction that, that they just happen to be aligned with. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, I am. I completely agree with you. I think that having the large three factions is fine. I think having the minor factions is fine. I don't think any of that should be removed. But the, but the way Expanded it stands upon. right now, mm-hmm. but the way it stands right now, first off, it, at least in my experience, and again, I know that I'm not experienced in the game, so I wasn't really looking for this sort of thing. Um, it's very. Um, how do I explain this? It's a very convoluted system to figure out who you're allied with and why, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, Did I jump out of a system and assist a faction in a combat zone, and then all of a sudden they they radio me and say, hey, we're we're appreciative of that. Um, I think that's, that's a fine gameplay loop to have. But I don't think that they do much of that in Elite Dangerous, aside from like your your statistical number goes up a little bit. There's yeah, no congratulations, your number goes up. Now you have access to doing exactly the same thing you were doing before. Right, and so, so there's so there's no real tie to 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 that faction. Which again, I don't actually have an inherent problem with that. If there's a way for say the players to build their own my, their own factions, because then you know you can right jump in maybe a player fa- two player factions that are fighting against each other then you can join a player faction and help them out and then the leader of that faction's command group or whatever radio you know can write you a message or whatever saying we really appreciate you and that you can mark them with a badge or something saying that you're an ally of our faction you know i think that that's a little more engrossing than just the number going up for an npc faction i would agree there, there are, again, very clearly the developers of Elite Dangerous have these goals in mind that we're talking about, and they they want to accomplish them. I just think they're going about it the wrong way. I think they're too afraid of players messing up their world. I, I, And again, that's me putting words in their mouth that they never said and that... And, putting thoughts in their brains that maybe they're not thinking. Mm-hmm. It does seem that way, though. Right. No, and I agree. Like, it, it, it does very much seem like the game is built... It, like, the game is so close to being able to obtain those goals that, and, and those those moments that we just explained. But the fact of the matter is, you're, they're just missing the... the it core. just needs that little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... And I think maybe now what we can do is we can actually discuss another game that we have discussed before who almost has the opposite problem. Here Star we go. Citizen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's and game. They, they have the, 
they they almost have they they pretty much have the exact opposite problem using that word liberally that that Elite Dangerous has if you think about it. They went they're they are all in for that engrossing world player faction gameplay so heavily that nothing ever gets done. <laughs> sure. I would agree. I think there are there are other problems with Star Citizen, but there is not from from my experience with it, and I don't have a ton of time in that game, but from my experience with it, I would say that the gameplay loop is not lacking. I would say that the there there is a lot to do. But the game's kind of a buggy mess. Right. Where so whereas Elite Dangerous is polished, but it just seems like polished and lock, lacking content or so buggy it's unplayable with all the content in the world. It's a hard choice, yeah. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> it's it's like can we just stick the two games into a blender, yeah, mix them just, up real well and just crunch them in there. I mean it's I there are so many things that both of those games do well. Elite Dangerous is pretty. It's real it's probably the prettiest space game I've played. I'm trying to think if there's another uh, one. But have I introduced you to space engineers? That's a joke. <laughs> that's a good joke, but that's a joke. <laughs> that's a whole nother topic, honestly. Space Engineers is just Minecraft in space. Let's be real. It really is. It's its entire gameplay loop is... Build things you want to build. Which, and I, I do think that's what this all comes down to. I, I, w I would say there are two kinds of gameplay loops. There are open loops, and there are closed loops. Closed loops have an end, where you beat the boss, or you... um get everything that can be gotten and you're done and that's the end of the game uh which is fine and that's that's good and there are open loops which are your skill increases and there's always another item to get mm -hmm. and things like that the problem comes when a game can't decide which of the two it wants to be yeah, it's very much like, um, well, as we said, there's a spectrum, right? There's the, you, you, as a person, the subjective, you know, interests, you either prefer that I get better or you prefer that my character gets better, for lack of a better term. Yes. Um, and obviously, your preference, maybe, you know, you, maybe you like both, but, you know, you, you have a general range somewhere in that spectrum. And as a developer, you need to decide which which part of that spectra, spectrum do I want to cater to? Because you can't have it all. It's it, it's almost incredible. It's almost impossible to do. You need to lock in an, an audience. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think you need to be honest with your audience. If 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 um, obviously I know that this game, I really don't want to rag on this game because I've never played it, and I have heard that it has done much better. But No Man's Sky. Don't do No Man's Sky at the very beginning. I know there are reasons why they did what they did. But you need to find an audience and you need to, if someone asks you, hey, is this thing in your game? If it honestly doesn't fit within your within your gameplay loop and doesn't fit within there, don't try to force it and don't say it is when it isn't. You know, be very upfront with the people that you've selected to be your audience. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a fair statement. And I think that part of that problem would be alleviated by studios knowing their goals. Because somewhat frequently, particularly with indie studios, it feels that they don't. And I don't think that that's always malicious. I do think there are studios out there that make games with the intention of getting money, not caring about the quality of their product. But I I think that most studios genuinely care about the game they're creating because it, it is a creative project. And I, from my own personal experience and from speaking with creative people, uh, I would say that it's very, very difficult to do a creative project that you're not invested in, that you don't care about. So I, I do think that most of these developers do care about their games and they want them to succeed and they do have a goal in mind. They have a, an end gameplay loop or gameplay design that they're shooting for. I think the problem comes in when either the goal gets too big, as in the case of No Man's Sky, or the marketing and the audience is incorrect which you know to be honest if if your audience is incorrect is the fault on the audience or on the developer i would say it's on the developer you chose the wrong audience once you have a player base i believe it's very very important to listen to them for example in the case of destiny 2 was never going to really draw in extra players beyond what it started with. Obviously, for a game like that, it's always going to have new players. But when when in a game like that, in a long-term service game like Destiny 2, like Guild Wars, like Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, you, or Overwatch, or COD, you have... Well, COD isn't really long-term service. You have to listen to your audience. Because if they tell you, we don't like this thing, and if and if you can verify that it's a problem that a majority of people have, then you should fix it. Yep. Absolutely. And I think that's yeah. that's that's what this comes down to, honestly. We've talked about gameplay loops, we've talked about how to fix things. Um, we haven't really talked about the necessity of fixing things. And I think that this discussion comes down to uh, dear video game studios, listen to your audiences because we love your games. That's why we criticize them. Yeah, well, that's a great note. Great note to have because because you're right. That's that's what all this really does come down to. And um, and again, you know, if if you are displeased where your game sits, and I think I've mentioned this before, and you want to kind of start over, maybe consider releasing a new title. Uh, you know, as a different version or something like that, so that you're not alienating and um, aggressively changing things that other that the mass majority of your player base likes. Just as an example of that, Battlefield Five with the TTK update that happened one year after launch. I, I don't think anyone ever liked that, <laughs> yet they did it anyway. 
So why didn't it just kind of if if you had to go along with it, why didn't you reserve a second game mode or something that was the old TTK? Because it's such a large majority of people. For sure. Liked it. Which again comes down to what you were saying. You know, if you listen to your community, if your community wants one thing, you know, why would you really want to go against them unless you have a Unless what they unless what they expect of you is outside of the vision for the game that you already have. So let's let's point it let's point our fingers instead of at studio at a studio that does something wrong. Let's point at a studio that does something right. And I'm gonna find their name real quick on my mm -hmm. Steam. The developers of Endless Space Two, who are oh, do you remember their name? Who are uh. these guys? <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably amplitude. would know it if I heard it. Amplitude. Mm. Amplitude. You guys do a great job with your community. What Amplitude does on their forums, people can make suggestions or bug reports or similar things. And the game isn't in service anymore, so this doesn't apply now. But when the game was in service... We're waiting on Endless Space 3, by the way. <laughs> Get on it, guys. Soon, please. Uh... When a community member makes a post, a community manager or a dev team member will respond to that post and they'll say either, they'll put it in a number of categories. They'll put it in, this is in our scope and definitely happening. This is a maybe from us. We might look into this. This sounds like a good idea. And there's also, this is out of our scope. We don't plan on taking the game in this direction. We don't plan on changing this thing which I think is a great way of interacting with your community because it's a two-way street. The community can say, we don't like this, and the developer can can come back with, unfortunately, the thing you don't like is a, a vital component of the game that we created, that we wanted to build, so it can't go. Well, and or, I think that that... In, that oh, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Or... or you can hear have interactions where the community says, "Hey, we'd like really like to see this thing," and the developers say, "Okay, we respect that you guys want that, and we'll get on it." Yeah, absolutely. And I think honestly, the one thing that we have kind of missed in this whole discussion this evening, sometimes it's okay for a developer to make an executive decision because that's what they want for their game especially for an indie studio. Absolutely. I think that, um, in fact, that's you know something I have a little bit of experience with. Saying no to something that a lot of people want simply because it doesn't fit within the scope of the game you want to build and something that you're not interested in, something you don't have confidence that you could put together well. Because I think, honestly, if you don't have confidence you can put something together well, it's probably better to leave it out than to take a gamble with it. I would agree. I think that it's it's a struggle especially in the age of the internet and you know uh, i don't i don't really know a good word for the uh witch hunts i guess that occur witch hunts is not the correct word but the people that are the loudest are most often not correct but mm -hmm. sometimes they are and it's very difficult to sort those things from each other. 
Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, and unfortunately, I say I say unfortunately. I say it's unfortunate for the the for like the the PR people in these game companies that sometimes you know most of the time the people who are cursing you out in the forums or sending you mean instant messages or whatever because they don't like something most of the time they're wrong you know they're the ones who be the wrong once in a while you get someone who's actually right but expressing their correct opinion very incorrectly and those opinions might be awesome you know but if you express them incorrectly no one's ever going to hear you i would you know, argue no that importance will i i would i would argue that that then comes down to us the community to be respectful toward the devs. I, I think that for the two-way communication that I was lauding earlier, I think that it's necessary for there to be respect on both sides. For example, to say, you know, your game bad, why you develop this, do other thing, is not going to get traction. It's not going to do anything except get you upvotes on Reddit. We all know what those mean. It's, it, it's yeah. nothing for anyone who's wondering. It's literally nothing. But I thought that that entered me into some sort of Reddit lottery. Nope. Sorry to break it to you. Mm. I, I don't want to dis, dis Reddit too terribly because there are a lot of good subreddits where, where good information get exchange, get, gets exchanged. R slash ask historians. Really good one. Recommend it. Um, you know, and another thing too. But that said, upvotes on Reddit mean nothing. Yeah, but but another thing too that kind of goes into what we were saying about you know the two way street. It's okay if you as an individual don't like a game. It's like if you are having, if there's an element of a game that you really really hate. And because that one element exists, you hate the game. That's okay for you to go and find something else to play. Agreed. And um, to, to to make to take that complaint and maybe not, not I won't say a complaint, but to take that complaint and respectfully offer your opinion to a community, perfectly acceptable. You hounding on that one thing at that point, my my kind of statement is like, well, find another game out there that satisfies your itch yeah because it's bound to exist somewhere well all of that said we're running up against our usual time block so this has been a long discussion we've talked about a lot of things there have been a lot of statements made which may or may not be incorrect if anyone listens to this let us know what you think uh, feel free to message us on spot is that a thing they can do if you can message us on Spotify, figure it out and send us a message. Tell us why we're wrong or where we're right. If you can't message us through Spotify, make sure to find a way to hack us and let us know exactly how you did it. So we I, can I expect a wallpaper saying you're wrong tomorrow. All right. I am JT. And I'm Jack. And we'll see you next time.